we all sort of get sick of living in a world that, that just assumes that if we hold to the Bible, we're also idiots. Only a fool. Only a caveman. Only a stupid person. Only a, a gullible moron would, would believe in God. Uh, would, would hold to like creation or, or, or the, the, the truth of Scripture, what the Bible says about marriage or the sanctity of life or any of that stuff. If, you, if you're going to go all in on that stuff, you're, you're not smart. It's not, it's not just that they disagree, but they want to heap scorn on the people who do agree. They, it's not that they don't believe. That's, it's not just that. They also want, they want to try to make the people who do believe they want to make them feel like fools. That's what their aim is. The songwriter has had more than enough of that. He's added up to here with that. He's sick of it. He's exceedingly filled. I don't know if, if that particular thing is hitting you this morning. I think we all sort of feel it. We, we, it's, it, it, it can be tiring to, to live in that kind of world. But we're also sick of other ways, right? Of other, of, other, of other ways this fallen world is beating down upon us. We are sick of sickness. We're sick of chronic pain. We're, we're sick of broken relationships. We're sick of loneliness. We're sick of sadness. We, we say with this songwriter, we've had enough. And, and we live in a world where this question comes up easily and naturally and often. It, it comes sort of from the outside, but it also comes up in our hearts. The question, well, when, we are, when we are haunted by sickness or chronic pain or loneliness or broken relationships or sadness, when we're, when we're haunted by those things, the question, where is your God now? Where is your God now? You're chronically sick. You're estranged from your loved one. Your family member is going through chaos. Why would your God let that happen? Where is your God now? And often all we can say is, I don't know. I don't know why God allowed that sickness or that chronic pain or that that ruptured relationship. I don't know why He allowed it, but I desperately want Him to fix it. I desperately want Him to fix it. So what do we do when... We've had more than enough. Well, this psalm tells us, doesn't it? The heart of this psalm, the the thrust, the punch of this psalm is in the end of verse 2 where it says, Our eyes look to the Lord our God till He has mercy upon us. What do we do when we've had more than enough? Our eyes look to the Lord our God till He has mercy upon us. No matter which way you're suffering this morning, no matter what you've had enough of, this psalm is for any and all of us who want God to help. The Christian says, the Christian says, I'm going to look to the Lord, my God, until He has mercy upon me. We're going to take our griefs and our sorrows and our confusions to the Lord our God. Now, now when we, when we turn to Him, perhaps we will take this, um, this prayer request. We will take it to Him and we will say, God, please fix this. And then in 30 minutes, it's fixed. Sometimes it's 30 minutes and then, and then sometimes though, it's been 30 years praying the same thing and, 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 and He hasn't fixed it. But this verse sort of clues us in, doesn't it? It says, no, you're, you're going to look to the Lord your God until He has mercy upon you. 
It doesn't say it's going to happen automatically or, or right away. It's, it does, there's, no, there's, no, there's no expiration date. We're going to look to the Lord our God till He has mercy upon us. Now this nice little psalm not only tells us what to do, it also tells us why we should do it. And if we can get this kind of driven into our bones this morning, um, it'll help us to stay, to, 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 to stay faithful and persistent in prayer. Why do we patiently faithfully continue to trust in God? Why do we never give up looking to Him? We have three reasons this morning. So, so if, you, if you are a note taker, if you take notes during sermons, and you've been wondering when the sermon was going to start, if it was ever going to start, now is the time. Get your, get your pens ready. If you're the kind of person who, who, who likes to take notes, here we go. Three reasons why we look to the Lord our God till He has mercy upon us. Why we look to the Lord our God till He has mercy upon us. Reason number one, because He is enthroned in the heavens. Verse one says, To you I lift up my eyes, O you who are enthroned in the heavens. This is a, this is a crucial part of prayer. This is a vital part of prayer. This is a part we can never leave out. It is crucial that when we pray to God, we, we see Him as Scripture um, commands us to see Him. It, we, we think of Him the way Scripture describes Him, as, as enthroned in the heavens. When we are looking to God, it is vital that we remember we are praying to the King of everything. Uh, Psalm 115 says, Our God is in the heavens. He does all that He pleases. Nothing has ever happened in the history of the world that God didn't sign off on, that, that wasn't under God's governance. Nothing has ever escaped God's attention. God is over everyone and everything, everywhere, all the time. If it has ever happened in the history of the world, it has happened because it has brought about God's eternal plans and purposes. We say this often. Humans are completely responsible for the evil they do. But also, God ultimately governs over everything that happens, good or bad, here on earth. The book of Job is such an eye-opening book. The, the book of Job shows us that even Satan is on a leash. Even Satan cannot do anything unless God allows it. There's so much mystery there. There's so much we don't understand. But we can see that it is true. And so when we are praying, we are praying to the One who is enthroned in the heavens. So, so, so the, 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 the question here is, who else would we turn to? The reason we turn to God is, who else would we turn to? If, if I needed to come up with a million dollars quickly, so let's say one of, the, one of my children um, had been kidnapped and they were being held for ransom. Of course, it would, it would depend on what child. I understand that. But if one of my children, uh, that goes without saying, uh, no, they're all worth upwards of a million dollars to me. So anyhow... Um, if one of my children were kidnapped, I need to come up with a million dollars quickly. There's like three people in my life I would call. None of you, right? <laughs> I call you, hey, can I have a million bucks? Which kid is it? doesn't matter which kid it is. Do you have a million dollars? My word. No, I don't. Okay, well, I'm not going to go through the church directory. You, um, there's a few people I know of that probably could scrounge up that amount of money and get it to me. Um, would they? Eh. 
Probably not. That's why they have a million dollars, because they don't just hand it out. Um, if we're, if we're going to face a, a great trial in our lives, if we're going to go through a great trial, if we have something that we need desperate help with, let's go to the one who can help. Let's go to the one who is enthroned in the heavens. Don't go anywhere else. That's, that's like you calling me and asking for a million bucks. I, I've got some coupons. I can, I mean, you can come and sit in my kitchen table and watch the prices go up of gas. I mean, we got, I, we, I, I can't really help you. But I, I would like to. If I could, I would. Hypothetical money is easy to give out. Will God help us if we call upon Him? We don't know. We don't know. But we do know He can. We do know that He is enthroned in the heavens and He does all that He pleases. We know that nothing is impossible for Him. So that's the first reason that we look to God till He has mercy upon us because He is enthroned in the heavens. Where else would we go? What else makes sense? He is enthroned in the heavens. Second reason, because He is our Master. Verse 2, Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their Master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till He has mercy upon us. Prayer is a, um, it's a wonderful way to sort of reorient your heart, to recalibrate your heart, to to remember who's who in the relationship, right? Do you ever have to? Do you ever have to remind your children who's who in the relationship? Um, I don't ever have to, but some I know some parents have to. They have to tell their child, "No, actually, um, I love you, but I'm the parent. You're you're the child. Remember, this that's the way it is. You you're the child. I'm the parent. It's the way God made it. We're, this is what we're doing. This is the so. There's going to be a yeah." So there's a way we're going to do things because I'm the parent. You're the child. Prayer is this wonderful way to, to remember. It's to reorient our hearts and remember we're the servant. God is the master. It's a, a big part of every prayer is not my will, but yours be done. You are my master and I am your servant. So if, if God chooses to bring healing to your body or to your mind or to your relationships, that's wonderful. But He is your master and He may choose something else. The servants that this songwriter had in mind did not have their own rights. Most modern translations sort of, or most, most translations in general, not just modern, just all translations sort of, so they, they usually say the word servant instead of the word slave. Um, but often what it means, and what it absolutely means here, is more like a slave. The, the servant had no rights. They weren't in a union. They had no rights. If, it, 
if a servant hears, for instance, that his father is dying and the, and the father lives like a day's journey away and the servant wants to go and visit their father um, before he passes away, he, he has to look to the mercy of his master and, and ask, may I please go? I will be gone a few days. May I please go and visit my father um, before he passes away? May I go? And then he looks to the eyes of his master. He looks to the hand of his master. He looks to the mercy of his master because his master has the right to say yes or no. This is our relationship to God. He is our master. Our lives are to be lived in submission to Him. Now, of course, there's a couple of ways of looking at that, right? So so one way we we are submitted to God is, is simply by studying His Word, learning it, trying to apply it to our lives, trying to be obedient and faithful, trying to live the way God wants us to live. That's part of it. But then, but then the other part of it is, is here in this passage where we, where we, when we, when we ask God for something, we ask Him in this humble way, remembering who's who in the relationship. Remembering that He is our Master and He has every right to, to grant us what we're asking for or to deny us what we're asking for. So we pray humbly. I, I, you know, when, when, if you have a, a, a four-year-old or a six-year-old child at home, there, there's often a great gap between what you know and what they know. So often they ask for things and, and you know that's not, that's not the best for them. Not even close. It would be unwise to grant their request. And you have all kinds of reasons, and, and many of them would be very difficult to explain to them. So you have to say things like, no, that we're not going to do that, and, and I just, I know it's a bad idea, and I'll tell you when you're older, and then you never do, right? So that's kind of, right? And, and we also know, we also know that sometimes we say no uh, as parents out of our own foolishness, or our own laziness, or our own selfishness. We just don't feel like saying yes. So that happens as well. We say we we don't always say no for the best reasons. It's important for us to remember as we are going to God and we're saying you are the master, I am the servant. As we're going to God to to remember that the that the gap between what we know and our 4-year-old knows is tiny compared to the gap between what our what our Heavenly Father knows and what we know. And it's also important for us to remember um, that if God says no, if God denies our request, if God does not give us what we're asking for, it's always for the best reasons. We are His servants. He is our Master. So that's the second reason why we look to the Lord our God till He has mercy upon us, right? He is enthroned in the heavens and He is our Master. Now here's the third reason. third reason is this. Because He is indeed merciful. Reason number three, we turn to the Lord our God, we lift our eyes to the Lord our God, we look to the Lord our God till He has mercy upon us is because He is indeed merciful. I think if you had just the first two points of this sermon, you wouldn't go away super inspired, would you? Because, because all we've learned so far, all we've remembered together so far, is that God has the power to show us mercy. And God has the authority. He has the free will to show us mercy. He can if He wants to. 
His role in the relationship is to decide what's good, what's bad. So, he has the power and the right. But will he show us mercy? And frankly, that's what some of us are waiting for right now. We have prayers that we've been praying for a while now. And we're longing for that day when God will show us mercy. Will he? Will he show us mercy? Well, I have, I have two answers to that, and then we'll be done. Two answers to that question. Is God merciful to His people? Will He show us mercy? Alright, the two, two answers to, to that question. The first answer is the Gospel. The first answer is the Gospel of Jesus Christ. When we are wondering... Is God merciful to us? Will He show mercy to us? First answer is the Gospel. Do, do you believe the Gospel this morning? Is, is Jesus your Savior and your King? Is he, is he your only hope in life and death? Is He your only hope to be forgiven of your sins? If, if God has done that work in your heart, if God has shined the light of the glory of Jesus Christ into your heart, if God has done that, then, then yes, you have received mercy. Yes, God is merciful to you. Ephesians 2 says, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Walking the, well, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. We were born children of wrath. We are, we, we, we are, we were dead in the trespasses and sins in which we once walked. We are children of wrath. We were destined for hell, for punishment that we full on deserved. Verse four. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he loved us even when we were dead. even when we were even when we were worthless even when we were we were raising our fists against him even when we were at enmity against him even when we were the children of his wrath he loved us and he made us alive together with Christ he made us alive by grace you have been saved and, and, and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So there is a way in the eternal mind of God in which right now you are seated in the heavenly places. I mean, you are. it is a done deal. If you are in Christ, then you are in Christ. And, and why has God done this? Why has God raised you from the dead and, 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 and made you alive with Christ. Why has He done this? So, that, so, so, verse 7, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. I don't even know. We, we, I don't have the, the, the communication ability. I, I don't have the public speaking ability. I don't have the debating ability. I don't have the descriptive ability. I cannot make this mean as much as it should mean to you or even to myself. 
Because we can't describe something that's immeasurable. That's the whole point of it being immeasurable. God is going to give you immeasurable riches. He is going to spend eternity pouring immeasurable riches of grace and kindness upon you. So yes, you've received mercy. And yes, you're going to receive mercy. If you are in Christ, yes. So when we are asking ourselves, is God merciful to me? Will God be merciful to me? Where is God right now? He is being rich in mercy toward you. And it's just getting started. So that's the first answer. And then the second answer is, is it, it, it's embedded right in our verses this morning. It's, it's, it's in the word look. A few times in this psalm, this short psalm, a few times it says we look as, as, a, as a servant looks to his master, as a maidservant looks to her mistress. We, we look to the Lord our God. We look to Him. Our, we, we lift our eyes to Him. We behold Him. We look to Him. 2 Corinthians teaches us that every time, whether we realize it or not, every time we look to God, we are in that moment receiving mercy. Every time we turn our attention to God, every time we confess that He is the Sovereign One, that He is the All-Wise One, that He is the Master and we are His servants, He is the potter and we are the clay, without His mercy we are consumed. Without His mercy we are dead in our sins. He is the One who is enthroned in heavens. He is the One where in, in, in His immeasurable, rich grace He loves us. Even when we were His enemies. He is the One. Every time we acknowledge that, every time we go to Him for help and say, God, You can. I know You can. Nothing is impossible for You. I know You are kind. Will You help? Please help. You are the only one who can. Every time we turn to God, every time we turn our full attention to the God of the Bible, as He is described in Holy Scripture, every single time we do that, we receive mercy. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, which means God has opened up our understanding so we can can turn to Scripture and know what it means. We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So do you see what Scripture is saying? What it's saying is, Simply by beholding the glory of the Lord. Simply by looking to the Lord our God till He has mercy upon us. Simply by looking to Him. Simply by thinking biblical thoughts about Him. Simply by confessing that Scripture is true. That God is as Scripture says He is. That the Lord is indeed the glorious One. Simply by turning our attention to the Lord, we are being transformed into His image. He is making us more truthful, more generous, more patient, more merciful, more holy, more faithful. He is making us more sturdy and steadfast. He is making us more like Himself. He's doing this for His glory and for our joy. Simply by looking to Him, we are being made like Him. This is His mercy to us. 
So right now, as you pray, and I don't know how He's going to answer your prayer. I don't know how He's going to answer your prayer. But as you turn to Him and ask for help, He is, he is preparing you for heaven. Which is infinitely better than the alternative. I mentioned Psalm 115 a few minutes ago. Our God is in the heavens. He does all that He pleases. I'm going to read a few more verses from that psalm because it's important for us to see what happens to those who turn anywhere else. So, so the reverse is true as well. We have to understand this and we have to understand how much mercy we're receiving because the, 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 the reverse is true as well. Psalm 115 says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to Your name give glory for the sake of Your steadfast love and Your faithfulness. Why should the nations say, Where is their God? Why should the nations heap scorn upon us? Why should the nations mock us? Our God is in the heavens. That's where He is. He does all that He pleases. And then look at verses 4-8. through This is scary stuff. Their idols... Those ones who are saying, where is their God? Well, they have their gods. Their idols, verse 4, are silver and gold. They're the work of human hands. Like, they had to make their gods. They have mouths, but do not speak. Eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Noses, but do not smell. They have hands, but do not feel. Feet, but they do not walk. They do not make a sound in their throat. And then here it comes. Here the, the hammer falls in verse 8. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. See, it works the opposite way as well. When we turn to God, we become like Him. When, when, when we turn anywhere else, when we turn to useless, useless idols, dead idols, we become like the ones we are turning to. So these, these people who say, where is your God now? And then they turn to their dead, useless idol and they become more and more dead and useless. Do you see what's happening? Like when we're when we're turning to God because of His great mercy, He is fitting us for heaven. He's preparing us for heaven. And do you see what is happening as people turn to useless, vain, worthless idols? They become dead and dead and dead. And they are being prepared for hell. I, I know you guys have long-standing prayer requests. I know you guys have prayer requests that you just don't even share anymore. Because you've, you've, you've asked people to pray, and then, you know, months go by and years go by, and people check in and say, how's that going? And you're just like, I, I'm still praying about it. I'm still praying. I'm still praying for God to help. I'm still praying for Him to help. I'm still praying for Him to help. And I know, I know you guys have those. I know you do. And I know you're, right now you're looking to God to show you mercy. And I don't know how He's going to answer your particular prayer request. I don't know if He's going to bring resolution, if He's going to bring healing, if He's going to bring reconciliation in this life or not. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that in the life to come, He is going to dump immeasurable riches upon you in His grace and in His kindness. I know it's going to be okay. 
I do know that one day you're going to go from saying, I have more than enough trouble to I, I, have, I have more than enough grace. I know, you, I, I, I know it's going to happen. And I know until then, as you pray, He is indeed showing you mercy. He is making you more and more like Himself. He is preparing you for heaven. He is showing you mercy. So let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for this tiny psalm. We thank You for all that's in it. We thank You that if we, if it, if we were left to our own devices, God, if we were left to our own if we were left to our own and you didn't intervene with your mercy, that we would be chasing after some foolish, worthless idol and we would be coming more and more and more dead inside. That we would be conditioning ourselves for hell, punishment. But because of your great mercy, you are, as we look to you, and sometimes we get the, sometimes we get the resolution we're praying for, and sometimes we don't, and sometimes we're waiting, and, and it, there's, a, there's a lot of all of that in life, but we have confidence because of your word this morning, that no matter what, as we're looking to you, you are in your kindness transforming us from one degree of glory to another. You are transforming us into your image. You are making us more like yourself. You are making us, you are making us more and more look and act and think and, and, and live as if we belong in heaven. This is, this is all your mercy. We are thankful for it. In Christ's name, amen.